Please listen carefully. Hello, and welcome to Caveat Realtor with Virginia Realtors, where we discuss the real issues that Realtors face. I'm Laura Farley. And I'm John Haley. Remember, Caveat Realtor is meant to provide general legal information. The information, forms, and laws referenced in this episode are accurate as of the date this episode is first released. Nothing we discuss should be considered as legal representation or legal advice. Hi, John. Hey, Laura. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. So, have you uh, ever thought about trying to get your dog certified as a assistance animal? I haven't. Plato, I don't know how much assistance he would be to anybody. Okay. Um, his big thing is to, when you're not paying him, to reach out with his paw and just grab your arm. Okay. Uh, I don't know how that would be comforting uh, in any way, shape, or form <laughs> to anybody, um, especially if you're driving, which yeah. is one of the times he likes to do that. It is, in fact, very dangerous. So, yeah, probably not for him. S- similarly, my husband and I were talking about this not too long ago, um, and what he said to me was, Sometimes I need a break from Shadow. He's just a bit much now. That's fair. He is a puppy still, so puppies are a bit much. But, um, you know, we were talking about how some people want their dog with them everywhere they go. And sometimes you you don't necessarily need your dog with you everywhere you go. I like the idea of my dog with me wherever I go. In practice, I don't always want him there. I like the idea of a well-behaved dog right. with me, and I my dog is not quite there yet. Fair enough. So, Fair enough. And, and on top of that, since neither of us have a disability with a disability-related need, we would be committing a crime if we went and got our dogs. That's true. Certified as. I as, mean, that's a minor detail, I think. I small. Just yeah, a little detail. Right, and, and so, dear listeners, that whole discussion is in part because. Um, At the end of January, HUD released a guidance document on assistance animals, and one of the things they did address was people who were just going to websites and getting their animals certified. Right. Um, And some of you, hopefully a decent number of you, may have uh, seen our Facebook Legal Live video on this topic. Um, So if you have, then... Welcome back. If not, then we figured we'd go ahead and add this in a different form and uh, and give you a little information podcast style. Right. And we know that we have slightly different audiences with Facebook and our podcast. And so we want to make sure that you, dear listener, are getting the same information. We're also going to go a little bit into um, slightly different information than we did. So there'll be a lot of overlap, but it's not identical to what we covered on Facebook. Right. So we're going to start by talking a little bit about how fair housing laws are structured Because, as you'll see, it does really matter. So the Federal Fair Housing Act is part of the Civil Rights Act of 1968 and places the enforcement of the act with the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. So HUD, as it's also known, has a program, the Fair Housing Assistance Program, which provides funding to local and state governments that have enacted and enforced laws that are, quote, substantially equivalent, end quote, to the Federal Fair Housing Act. Local enforcement is thought to be more efficient and ensure that the individuals enforcing the laws are more familiar with the local housing stock and trends because that will make it a little bit easier to determine rather than Washington dictating to the entire country. Right. Provides a little more local level of control. Right. So states like Virginia can apply to HUD to be considered substantially equivalent. When this happens, if HUD receives a complaint from someone in that jurisdiction, they refer the case back to that local or state government. 
Well, because Virginia is a substantially equivalent jurisdiction, if a fair housing complaint is filed regarding a property in Virginia, it's going to be handled either by the Fair Housing Board or if a real estate licensee is involved as one of the respondents by the Real Estate Board. So that means that if you're handling a transaction in Virginia, you need to be focused on the Virginia Fair Housing Act because that's the law that will be applied. So you may be thinking, well, since the law is required to be substantially equivalent, doesn't that mean I can still follow HUD's guidance document and be okay? And that's a very good question. That's why I asked. Well, we appreciate that. <laughs> but, but unfortunately, there are some slight differences that, under the right circumstances, could create an issue. Remember, this is substantial equivalence, not complete equivalence. So, great. That means I can just ignore the HUD guidance document and you and I can stop talking now, right? Oh, hang on. Hold on. Oh, I don't know why you're so eager to get off this podcast with me. I thought we were having a good time. Me too. That's okay. Um, so, I mean, you can if you only have Virginia-based business. If you're doing transactions outside Virginia, you'll need to determine whether the other locations are substantially equivalent or whether they are subject to federal fair housing. As of today, March 3rd, 2020, the following nearby localities are considered substantially equivalent. D.C., Kentucky, Maryland, North Carolina, Tennessee, and West Virginia. So that's every state and D.C. Mm-hmm. that's adjacent to Virginia. Now, keep in mind there are only 36 states and D.C. that are substantially equivalent. So you'll want to check out if you're further afield than our immediate neighbors. And that 36 includes D.C. It's not 36 states plus D.C. It's, ah. So there's 36 total. Okay. So 35 states and D.C. And plus D.C., all right. Um, the other reason that the HUD guidance document is helpful, even if it's not fully applicable, is that it gives you a framework that you can engage in the interactive process that's required when you have a request for a reasonable accommodation in the form of of an assistance animal. And so we're going to talk about what some of the differences that you need to be aware of are. But we've also created a chart that's available on our website to help you identify those differences. We're also in the process of creating a document similar to HUD's guidance document that uses the Virginia Fair Housing Act's provisions. So let's start talking about these differences. And one of the biggest ones is that HUD walks through an analysis of whether the animal is considered a service animal or not. And Virginia doesn't distinguish between service animals or other types of assistance animals. But if you do go through this analysis, you know that a service animal is always going to meet the definition of an assistance animal in Virginia. Because by definition, the service animal is providing assistance to a person with a disability. Right. So it can kind of short circuit your analysis if you go that route. Right. Virginia also handles how you determine whether someone has a disability slightly differently than what's in the HUD guidance document. So in the HUD guidance document, there are references made to a variety of sources that will document a disability. While some or even really many of those will qualify in Virginia, others may or may not. Right. So one example is where they talk about um, a if you're receiving a disability income check from the government, that that can verify. Well... Mm-hmm. Maybe that can verify that you are eligible for disability income, but I don't know that would necessarily demonstrate you have a disability. Right. Um, HUD also has a section that addresses information confirming disability-related need for an assistance animal set aside in a box. And this is one area where Virginia's law appears to be much broader than the HUD guidance document and somewhere that you could end up getting into a little bit of trouble if you follow the, the guidance document strictly. Right. In Virginia, the law says that the person receiving the request may ask the requester to provide reliable documentation of the disability and the disability-related need for an assistance animal, including documentation from any person with whom the person with a disability has or has had a therapeutic relationship. So the law defines a therapeutic relationship, and this is going to be quite long. It's got some legal jargon. It's just stick with me. 
And a therapeutic relationship means the provision of medical care, program care, or personal care services in good faith to the person with a disability by a mental health service provider as defined in the law, an individual or entity with a valid, unrestricted state license, certification, or registration to serve persons with disabilities, a person from a peer support or similar group that does not charge service recipients a fee or impose any actual or implied financial requirement, and who has actual knowledge about the requester's disability, or finally, a caregiver, reliable third party, or government entity with actual knowledge of the requester's disability. So not only is that a very long definition, it's also a very broad definition yes, it is. for therapeutic relationship. Now, the HUD guidance points to a licensed healthcare professional. And while a licensed healthcare professional certainly meets the definition of therapeutic relationship, there are a number of other people who would meet the requirement in Virginia that are not licensed healthcare professionals. Virginia also doesn't specifically require an analysis when it comes to whether the animal is a type that is commonly kept in households. Right, so it could be, you know, a comfort llama or a comfort jaguar. Maybe. For example, comfort Maybe. alligator. More likely. You know, just reply with your, your favorite kind of <laughs> in the comments. Um, so the section of the guidance document that may be helpful in determining whether it's a reasonable accommodation to allow a specific animal, but it's not the end of the story. So HUD's guidance document specifically says that reptiles other than turtles, are not considered common household animals and need not be allowed except in very rare circumstances. Oh, there goes the comfort iguana, I guess. Mm. Maybe, a, maybe not. Well, yeah, that's true. This is a much more restrictive than Virginia law. So, for example, someone could have a lizard. See? Oh, there we go. I just just give it a second and all this is going to come <laughs> So, yeah, someone could have a lizard that serves as an emotional support animal and that qualifies as an assistance animal in Virginia. Now, we're not saying that you have to allow Wally, the emotional support alligator from Pennsylvania, or Red Rock, the boa constrictor from Washington State, but in Virginia, you'll need to engage in the interactive process like you would for any other animal. The federal document is a little different, though. Right. So, unlike under the HUD guidance document, which grants a pass to any animal commonly kept in households and places, begin quote, the substantial burden of demonstrating a disability-related therapeutic need for the specific animal or the specific type of animal for unique animals. Right, so HUD basically says, if it's your typical furry, four-legged thing that most people might keep as a pet, as long as I can check two boxes that say, yes, I have a disability, yes, I have a disability-related need, we're good to go. But if it's going to be something that's not some one of those, if it's one of these unique or exotic animals, then there's a higher burden placed on the person with a disability, and that's not true in Virginia. Right, and what, what neither Virginia law nor the HUD guidance document uh, describes is whether the name of the animal has any bearing on it. For example, if you listened to our, or watched our Facebook Live, you would have heard Laura relay a story about an assistance dog on her flight named Mr. Chunkers. Who was adorable. He was. Um, and I think that name and the fact whether they are good boys or not, those should be things that are taken into consideration. However, HUD and Virginia have both left those requirements out for now, so. Uh, okay, so John, let's take it to the legal hotline. John, what information am I allowed to ask for when someone tells me they have an assistance animal? So this is, you know, it's our favorite, our fallback, it depends. If the disability or disability-related need of the assistance animal is not obvious, you may ask for information you need. Namely, if you know the disability, or if it's obvious, but you don't know the related need, 
You can ask for information on the related need. If the disability itself isn't known or obvious, you can ask for documentation regarding the fact that the person has a disability and then potentially the disability-related need, but you cannot ask for a diagnosis or details about the disability, just whether one exists. Okay. All right, Laura, question. A potential tenant comes into my office with a letter from a website that says they have an emotional support animal, but I think it's a fake letter. What can I do? Well, Virginia allows you to verify information with somebody that has a therapeutic relationship. Remember that really long definition that I wrote, um, that I read to you. You can reach out to the person who signed that letter to determine whether they have a therapeutic relationship with the person. Now, typically that's going to mean an ongoing relationship, but not necessarily. Uh, And if it's, I went on a website, I answered 20 questions, and I paid you 200 bucks, that's probably not a therapeutic relationship. Right. Okay, John. What should I do if somebody wants to have an assistance alligator or a boa? Well, the first thing you should do is go through the normal steps you would with any other assistance animal request. Ask the person to provide, ask the person to provide, you know, whatever they would have as appropriate documentation. And then you also want to look at local zoning regulations and your owner's insurance policy. If no insurance company will insure the owner with a tenant who has an alligator or a boa constrictor, it likely will be seen as an unreasonable accommodation. Right, because you're required to give a reasonable accommodation, not an unreasonable. Right. right. There's no requirement that it be a blanket accommodation. It just has to be reasonable. Okay. All right, Laura, last question. All right. Should I go back and reevaluate any existing assistance animals? No. So not only does the practice in Virginia not change because of the guidance document, the HUD guidance document specifically says that you don't go back and, eva- and reevaluate any previously approved animals. Yeah, so they're kind of grandfathered in at this point. Right. All right, let's talk about how you can limit your risk. All right. First, have policies in place for how to handle requests for reasonable accommodation. When you receive a request for an assistance animal, make sure you follow your policies. And when in doubt, contact your broker and or the legal hotline. Caveat Realtor is a weekly podcast with episodes released every Tuesday. Our podcast is available for streaming through iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Subscribe to our podcast to get automatic updates when we have new episodes and please rate us. Remember, members of Virginia Realtors have access to our legal hotline where we provide you with legal information. You can access the legal hotline on the Virginia Realtors website under the legal tab on the four members section. Make sure you're logged in to see this page. Although the members of this podcast are attorneys, the legal information in this program is not a substitute for personalized legal advice from an attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction. The information provided by Virginia Realtors is general reference work as a public service and does not constitute solicitation or provision of legal advice. We provide this general legal information on an as-is basis. We make no warranties and disclaim liability for damages resulting from its use. Legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and laws are constantly changing. The information provided in this program should not be used as a substitute for the advice of competent counsel. This has been a production of Virginia Realtors, copyright 2020. This podcast features the song Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, available under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license. 